are live, we are recording. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another special episode of the Sidelines Podcast. I am a host, my name is Courts, and I'm here with my other host, my main man. It's AP, Cordo. How are you, bro? I'm going well. I'm excited. And now we are using elite technology slash piggyback technology. We're not even sure if we're doing it well, but we've got a special guest on the line dialed all the way in from my great home state of Western Australia, my man, Reese. Boys, boys, long time <laughs> listener, first time caller. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to use that? Um, oh, probably since about week one. I didn't even know I'd appear on the podcast. Was quietly confident, and here we go. So what are we now? This is you guys have pumped out about thirty episodes in the space of three weeks because you've got nothing better to do. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Episode 13, which we've touched on before, apparently 10 episodes is kind of the average max out of a podcast. So we're, we're flying along, surpassing all expectations and data points. <laughs> is that uh, tracked on a spreadsheet of yours, as or what? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, put, don't put holes in the spreadsheets. There's spreadsheets embedded within other spreadsheets. <laughs> Some nested formulae. <laughs> exactly uh, all right well mate uh we are going to touch on something because i'm sure you've got an opinion on it last week we covered uh sw23 shane warns amazing fragrance oof, yeah. as i'm reading the newspaper i was distraught to find out that one of australia's potentially one of the most iconic things about australia victoria bitter vb also have a fragrance Wow. I'm speechless. Reese, I want to know what you think about this. Go. Well, I assume you're referring to the VB Thirst Ode de Toilet, the essence of hard work, <laughs> <laughs> which I can only assume smells like a combination of cut grass and ball sweat. Because <laughs> that to me is the essence of hard work. Which would be very scary if the bottle says sourced locally. <laughs> <laughs> no, no dad bods were harmed in the making of this scent. I just can't believe that somebody, either someone's under the greatest scam of all time. There's some data mining company out there that's like, if we go out and market this to Warney, to VB, we're going to tackle Carlton Draft next. We'll get Fosters involved. Probably going to be some KFC chips soon as a fragrance. But they're really just going to go after every. That's going. Someone's doing it. That's all. That's all I can see because I can't understand otherwise why this is a thing. Yeah, I, I think what's concerning for me too is like where are we at as a society when these things are getting up in the product testing room and being greenlit for mass distribution? The VB CEO has signed this off. Mm. I'll say that again. VB, which is in the business of making money, has said yes to this. I mean, VB is shameless marketing 101. They've got friggin' beach towels and cocktail friggin' umbrellas. They've got everything. Like, you name it, VB's done it, but still, even for them. But this would be like, I mean, Reese is a mad West Coast fan. He and I have uh, a love-love hate-hate relationship. My mum has described us as these sort of like evil twins, but also really different all at the same time. Um, it, 
It would be like West Coast and Fremantle bringing out a, la- a range of ladies like maxi pads and tampons. That's how <laughs> odd it feels. It's, um, it's definitely a step up from the old David Byrne bobblehead. And I wonder if that's where the rot started to set in. Like you went from your obligatory stubby holder or bottle opener um, to then the David Boone bobblehead. Then they had that bottle opener that sang the VB tune to you. And now yeah. it's just devolved to this, where possibly <laughs> some bloke was drinking SK23 in a conference room and thought, gee, you know what would be better than drinking SK23? Putting out a VB fragrance. Yeah. Hundred percent agree. It's bizarre. I reckon you I mean, can get I guess, pissed off yeah. it. Like uh, you, put, yeah. Surely, rub it on, rub it on your parts, on your man parts. <laughs> Leave it there for about ten, fifteen minutes, and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I feel like on the back of the the back of the bottle, there'll be some fine print that says, "Improves your smell, can get you drunk, is a somewhat deterrent for most sexually transmitted infections." <laughs> Like there will be stories bobbing out of some, like everyone will have that mate Davo that got crabs, put the VB fragrance on it, cleared it up. Have we, have we uncovered the cure for COVID-19? <laughs> yeah, this, this actually has a chance. For some reason, men who shop at Chemist Warehouse in low socioeconomic areas and purchase their fragrance are showing quite a strong resilience to COVID-19. <laughs> Maybe we need to heat map that around. I mean, you boys are in the COVID hotspots right now in Victoria. Maybe, maybe we need to heat map that. Has anyone gone down to Frankston and um, actually identified <laughs> any cases of COVID? Cases of COVID? Cases of COVID down that way? Well, that's where those protests have been for the guys there and all the like dudes saying that it's nothing, it's not real. So maybe they, they just don't realise <laughs> they're all wearing SW23 and VB fragrance and they're immune. <laughs> Uh, it really does lead you to, though, like, all jokes aside, now we can talk about it seriously. What fragrance are you now actually waiting for? Because now it's going to be, you know it's all in. Someone's going to be, everyone's doing it, but what one do you want? Race, I feel like you've got a good, oh. you've got a good handle on the cologne business. You want, I think this really, this is the perfect intersection between like disgusting fragrances and Cordo's obsession with thick boy athletes. I think the thicker, <laughs> the thicker the boy, the muskier the fragrance, the more it's going to get you laid. Uh, so I'm just coming back to definitely my favourite thick boy athlete, uh, the Rakim Cornwall um, <laughs> Eau, Eau de Toile. <laughs> uh, you'll take, you'll take Cheteshwar Pujara with your first test wicket and then nonchalantly celebrate while smelling like a Caribbean summer. <laughs> I like that bit of a bottle of Rakim. And like the bottles don't come in those really subtle little bottles. They're just really annoying, non-practical sized bottles. Yeah, like shaped like a hand grenade or something, like real big. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't Looks like fit one of those it. Easter eggs. Yeah, it's not fitting in your, in your dop kit. Like, you'd have to throw that in your cricket bag. It's not going in your wet bag. Yeah. You have to remove the spare tyre out of your boot if you want to take a <laughs> bottle of Rakim with you on the road. <laughs> oh, mate. Aaron? 
I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, I can't even be- begin to think of one who I'd even remotely be attracted to go- getting. One thing I'm shocked that hasn't been made yet, though, again, by a corporation who's in the business of making money, is Marvel fragrant- fragrances. I assume there would have been a Thor or a Captain America already done, but there isn't. I assume yeah. not. That is I a mean, huge gap. The- the actors who play them, typically speaking, all have one. So I would have thought the Robert Downey Jr. one would be pretty self-explanatory. It just smells like gin and pills. <laughs> <laughs> what are you caught? What are you feeling? For fragrance? Yep. I want to smell something like Trump or Biden, given that the election's coming up. I'm like, if we're cashing in on everything, I want a Trump and Biden jewel matching set of fragrance. Where one smells like it's just hanging on to life, <laughs> like it's close to the use-by date, and the other one's just so rambunctious and off-putting that you can't even wear it yourself. That you actually quit, you think that one's out of date, but it's not. Y- yeah, it's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at with it. All right. So the big news in Australia today, the big news that impacts Western Australia today, I'm going to talk like we'll claim it. The AFL has announced that the grand final is going to be held at the home of football, the the heartland of AFL footy, the Gabba in Brisbane. Reese, uh, I'm going to hand the microphone to you <laughs> slash ask you to talk into your microphone because I know you are going to have some thoughts on this bad boy. Yeah, prepared for a long-winded, expletive-ridden rant. Um, <laughs> for all listeners, this is a trigger warning. Yeah, this is yeah, this is a man who's covered in salt. Um, and look, maybe that's because I have the freedom to go to the beach. Um, and in fact, if it hits eight pm, I can just go to the beach and spend all night there with as many friends as I want in an unsocially distant manner. Uh, unfortunately, because I'm a West Coast supporter, I don't have any friends, so I'll be down there by myself. Drinking a goon bag and eating fish and chips. No, I'll be drinking SW23 and (laughs) (laughs) gently misting uh, some VB thirst over my chips. Um, Oh, look, the thing that gets me with this process, I understand why the AFL's done it. I don't understand why they would announce the venue now when we're still about seven weeks away from the game. Uh, A lot can change in seven weeks. I would have thought maybe waiting until the last possible moment, maybe three weeks out, would have been a more prudent move. Um, There'll be a reasonable degree of schadenfreude over here in Perth if Queensland is virus-riddled in the next fortnight um, and the game's held in front of 15 people uh, at the old Woolloongabba dog track. But (laughs) it's, it's an interesting debate. I think this is probably one that's more for the rabid punter than it is for the the reasoned, uh, learned individual. Um, I get why they've done it. It's a repaying a favour effectively from the Queensland government. It seems odd that you would position this as an investment in the game in the state of Queensland in the same period that you're gutting the NEFL competition and removing a couple of Queensland's longest and most established um, football clubs at the highest tier of, of a domestic or, or a state-based comp, I should say. 
Um, so, you know, two weeks after saying Southport don't exist anymore at the highest level, um, you turn around and say you're trying to invest in the in the game in Queensland. It's a little bit yeah. odd. Um, it, it basically just says, look, fuck you, McGowan. Palaszczuk came to the party when we needed her to, so uh, you guys aren't going to get it. Um, the classic tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist in me will claim that it's an anti-West Coast conspiracy because we don't do well under lights in Queensland. Um, and funnily enough, that's exactly where and exactly when the game will be played. Um, but yeah. it, look, it makes sense from a political standpoint, um, from a spectacle. Uh, you boys touched on this a few weeks ago that a grand final at Optus would be something quite special. It's highly likely that it would be in front of a packed house. Uh, and I went to the West Coast Collingwood game um, and the West Coast Geelong game the other week. And you had 25 and 27,000 people there, and it sounded like there were 55 plus. The, that stadium sounds great in the flesh. It sounds great on TV, other than the incessant booing from the feral locals, uh, either purple or blue and gold. Um, and, and the light show that you'd have towards the end of the game would be something pretty good. Time slot works well. You can start at um, kind of late afternoon in Perth, so you don't have to worry about the dew and the slippery ball that you're going to have in Queensland. Um, so it would have made a lot of sense, but I understand why they haven't done it. Yeah. I uh, I got a little bit of inside info this afternoon, which I will state unverified. It's inside <laughs> info. Unverified inside info. Are you a, uh, are you a football journalist? Uh, behind a keyboard, yes. Yeah. <laughs> On LinkedIn, no. But uh, one of the other things that came up in some of the conversations were things like uh, power brokers in the AFL in Victoria concerned around their ability to travel to WA, flights, accommodation, all of those kind of things. The AFL wanting to take like a horde of, you know, 150 people across for it. So all these just funny little nuances slash uh, shameless corporate decision-making that all got bundled up into every group's presentation. Proof in point was, you know, the Queensland government's locked out Victoria except let 100 people from the AFL roll up there just for a press conference this morning. Yeah, there's part of me that is pretty glad as a West Australian that we didn't get it because there's no doubt that this would have caused a second wave or, you know, what's effectively the first wave over here. And we're going to end up in, you know, stage 35 lockdown for the next six months because, you know, old Gil decided to get on the rack one night and found himself <laughs> at, a, at a popular night spot over the road from the Crown <laughs> Casino at three o'clock in the morning, um, surrounded by some ladies of the night or some such. We're going to find ourselves in a situation where, you know, you're told couples that are performing... Uh, acts of marital love are required to wear a mask and sanitize their hands at all times. Yeah. Spot on. Uh, like, yeah, but... I was going to say government pieces aside, I still think that WA played it a bit. I'm the cool chick in this relationship. <laughs> like, like hard to get. We we're like Insta influencers putting up photos in our bikinis, but you, if you DM us, we're not going to reply. Yeah, literally, <laughs> WA has been like, "Come check it out. Look, sun, no lockdown. Like, check this out. Insta story." And it's just like, "Oh, do you want me to come around and you know we'll go to the AFL?" No, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like that take because it's more funny. 
like the political side of things and how WA just flat out said, you know, this is a rule. But I just, I just like that WA has this tone where they're like, the, the, where else are they going to go? The AFL's coming back here. It's always going to end up here. Let's not worry about it. So basically, you tried to rip WA, but what you've inadvertently done is suggest that Queensland is that girl at the bar that will put out on the first date after two drinks, whereas the WA girl wants to be taken out for a few nice dinners. No, the, the WA goes home and says, I wish that Cordo at the bar had bought me a beer. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Whereas the Queensland girl is at home with Cordo, beer bought. <laughs> <laughs> Cat popped, yeah, okay. 16 Bundabergs and a roofie later. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> and she's left after 36 seconds. But we digress. <laughs> But look, as a whole, do you find that this is going to be, in a weird way, it's finally kind of going to bring a little bit of excitement to a weird season where it's going to be different, like, but at least there's actually something to be actually properly different that could be exciting. Like, it's going to be night grand final. Like, every, like, the Herald Sun's livid because they lose two weeks of articles where they get to go, now's the time to do a night article. So they're annoyed. Yeah. But we finally get to see it. Um, you can't really argue it. And the attendance, who really knows what's going to happen? Like, it's all, you know, they're probably going to sell it out. The whole corporate thing that they love giving away free tickets, that's definitely going to happen. Mm. But, you know, and what about the parade? What are they going to do? Well, and Reese will probably attest to this. The thing that I think where we as WA people feel frustrated is putting on it in Queensland, it, no matter how good of a job the Gabba does, it's going to look like... Eh, GF, done, good game, blah, blah, blah. We know that with our stadium in WA, we would be able to put on an epic show, pack it out, make a huge spectacle of it. The product, which is the most important thing for me, the product of the game will look amazing on TV. The corporate side of it is going to be leading. So that then, a great show, would have given us a chance to start being more vocal around, okay, What's the AFL going to do about not holding the grand final in Melbourne for the next 5,000 years? That's what we've lost. And 5,002 years, isn't it? Because they've now extended the deal. Oh, that's right. And they flicked a few extra home games to the MCG for next year and the year after just as a little bit of an extra uh, ball tickle. Yeah, Yeah, so Richmond get 19 home games now. (laughs) (laughs) You know what fascinates me is that in a season where um, Brisbane basically haven't left Queensland, they've still thus far only played six out of 15 games at the Gabba. <laughs> I'm not really sure Which how that hilarious. works. Yeah. Like even in a, a season like that, Richmond's still getting more home games at the stadium that they want to be having home games at. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible. I, that actually blew my mind when I read it last week. But how is that even possible? That's... That's two-thirds of Richmond's run into a final series, let alone half a season. I can't wait for the uh, late October Queensland humidity to just really bring out the best in the players' skills (laughs) as the sun goes down. It's, you know, between that and Eddie Maguire coming out on the telly, throwing around a fucking Steeden and saying, we need to put dimples on the football because too many players are dropping it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the grand final being an absolute gem of a game. Yeah. 
Well, it's, do you think there's a real chance, Reese, that by that stage they've actually installed a goal line camera built more recently than 1972? <laughs> oh, I, I, I reckon my first PC, a Pentium 120, probably had a better webcam on it than that. It's, it's so like for those episode. who want, I'll, I'll give some context to a um, the football game last night, which again was hilarious in one of our group chats. But uh, Essen finally kicked a goal. The umpire decided to let us actually have a crack at it and not give away a free kick. Uh, so we kicked one from ooh, the boundary. <laughs> hey, I'm I can I can rant. <laughs> um, then from there. What can only be described as a goal, you know, a goal line review, they effectively pulled footage where you couldn't actually tell if it was even a player who played for West Coast. Like you actually, I couldn't even tell. It was like a poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen YouTube conspiracy shit that's far more convincing than that. And it's been like, yeah, probably edited, but I couldn't believe that in this day and age, the AFL still thinks that's an okay goal review system. It's, it like, is absolutely mind blowing. I I, uh, I couldn't get that, and from my point of view, obviously, it was clearly a goal. There was no good on the umpire for wanting to check it, but it, it wasn't controversial. But could you imagine that classic example where it is controversial and that decides a grand final? Like the camera that's positioned on centre wing is in higher definition than the one that's on the goal line. They zoomed that like 150 metres and you could clearly see what was going on. It's so yeah. bizarre. I don't understand why they can't just actually spend some money. Like, it's not that hard to sp- spend some money on some cameras. How hard is it to go to JB Hi-Fi and ask for two GoPros? <laughs> like, I, I know it sounds funny, like I'm trying to be funny, but I'm genuinely serious. Like, how hard is it for Gil to say to... The Channel 7 or Fox team in Queensland, here's a JB Hi-Fi gift voucher that I was going to give to my niece and nephew at Christmas. Go to JB Hi-Fi and get two GoPros. <laughs> you know what would fund better goal line technology? An extra 20,000 paying punters at the 2020 AFL Grand Final. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that we had more money, Cordo, and we're in a position where we could just troll the AFL, but we actually just sort of somehow bought these cameras and managed to sneak into the, the grounds and then stuck them on and then did our own go line reviews yeah. post and then set them to ARC. And then turns out we work for ARC now because we're, we're... Like we live tweet the goal reviews <laughs> and it's faster than ARC. Also, ARC works as Reese Cordo. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's oh, bang. That's actually not a bad idea. I mean, to be fair... I haven't told you this, but I got on our Twitter. I set up a Twitter for the sidelines today and I did some trolling on the AFL <laughs> and we're up to 17 likes on a comment that I made under the AFLs. The game is at the Gabba, blah, 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 exciting spectacle. Where I said, I'm looking forward to the half empty seats that are painted so we don't notice, the weird camera angles, and I can't wait for that sweet, sweet Queensland humidity to bring out the best in our beautiful game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really feared the day that you'd get actively involved on Twitter uh, and now it's come. Yeah, I know. It's, it's been a little... Uh, it, it was always going to happen. 
But I think what's scary is uh, I did some more tweets today and even had some random guy go, I have no idea who you are or what you're on about, but I'm going to have a listen to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This could have been his first one. Yeah. The shout outs. All right. So we've established that, yes, if the AFL held the grand final at Optus Stadium, the JB Hi-Fi's in WA have got GoPro cameras new or at least refurbished if they're slightly out of stock. And we might be able to get a, a decent broadcast. All right. Can, can I just pause you there on uh, on broadcast? AP, I've been wanting to run this past year. Um, this is the only time I'll bring up the game last night out of respect for you. But um, <laughs> how fucking ordinary was the 200-game celebration montage for Kyle Hooker by Fox Sports? That was rubbish. That was like it was... You- like you can be a little bit funny, but showing highlights of someone who get like he had that buddy goal against him in another couple, but like they don't do that for anyone else. Like, no. what's the go with that? And again, two hundred games in the AFL is actually quite a significant milestone. There's not many. Well, oh, it's an amazing milestone. It's not an easy thing to do. But yeah, I don't know that was. I mean, you're allowed to have a bit of poke and fun and that kind of stuff and, you know, do that later, but they really should have given him some... Like, he's been a very good player for us. I think it shows a tackiness to broadcasting that's creeping in. A little bit like... And again, I know I'm biased, but a little bit like Rory Lobb with his stutter shot when he's going for goal. When you've got the player and the coach coming out and saying it's actually brought on by anxiety, so it's an anxiety issue that creeps in when he's under pressure. To have grown commentators laughing at it and mocking it over and over and over again, I don't think it's a good look. No, um, it's, I don't know where they're going with it. It's this idea that the kind of ladsy, we all played together kind of humour is what people mm. want to see. Um, I think that works quite well on the cricket coverage because generally they're kind of, they're ribbing each other, not ribbing a third party. Uh, when you've yes. got two ga- veterans of the game, both premiership players, getting stuck into a bloke on his 200th, um, what that footage they showed of Jonathan Brown um, getting the better of him was, I think, Kyle Hooker's fifth game. So the guy's mm. a kid going up and, like, against an absolute monster. And then the buddy goal of the year in 2010, I think Jonathan Brown said that should be on the, oh, that's one for the blooper reel. Kyle Hooker admittedly was out positioned in the marking contest. But he's chased Buddy at full tilt for 80 metres and only given up as Buddy's kicked the football. Like That's not a blooper reel. That is, a, that is the coach on a Monday morning debrief saying, boys, look at the effort he's put in here. That's what I want to see from every single one of you. Yeah, did not give up. Nah, I was disappointed because he has done a, little, he has done a great job. But again, I'm not chasing Buddy more than... Three and a half feet max. <laughs> well, that's science and reality <laughs> makes that happen for you. Um, I tell everyone, like, one of my claims to fame was playing uh, high school footy against Buddy in the old uh, PSA tournament back in WA and him kicking about six goals on me in half a footy <laughs> until the coach realized I was not cut out for to be a key back. Um, Something else I want to touch on, like Jonathan Brown, 
You've got a great deep voice. We love the barrelly voice. Hard nut footballer. But yes, you've got a $10,000 voice. But when you have a $7 haircut, really not in a position to be throwing shade at people. It is a shocker. It's a, bit, it's a real anyway. Lego man haircut, isn't it? It is incredibly Lego man-ish. That all, like, uh, all that's missing, like, he reminds me of the type of guy that you would see, like, stacking luggage at an airport. It's that kind of haircut. Not that there's anything wrong with doing that for a job, but his haircut looks like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm hard in the paint. (laughs) A mate of mine described Elliot Yo like that the other day. He said if he wasn't really good at football, he'd be turning signs on the freeway. (laughs) <laughs> and getting more money than people with law degrees Yeah, true Jokes on the rest of us Oh dear Alright, well Riso, you're a guest So you have to do our golden segment As you can break it down quickly for him Alright So this is the championship moment So we've been on the journey Of a couple of courts A few other special guests And now it's Reese. So this is where he Picks a sport, takes us through all the iconic moments, his role, song, what's he doing afterwards, and my favorite, personally my favorite bit, which is the documentary sort of side of things and how they did make money towards the back end. So yep. that's what I love. But Reese, what is your championship winning moment in sport? It's a real tough one. Um it's got to be a toss-up between like a um, – I know this, this show isn't overly motorsport friendly uh, unless it's in the, in the eSports arena. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, definitely, it's definitely a toss-up between a Bathurst 1000 victory um, and a really, a really dramatic one. Like you're in fuel conservation mode um, and you've got a car coming up against you who's just got pace and the fuel strategy is going to get them over the line. So, you know, you're short shifting and really trying to just manage that load through to the, to the finish. And, you know, maybe you're a bit of a wily veteran who hasn't actually taken out a title yet. Um, and you've got like the young up and comer behind you, you know, a quick kid like, a, you know, in the current format, a, a Scott McLaughlin, Shane Van Gisberg, and those boys are a little bit older now, but th- that real kind of up and comer who, who's pressuring you and you just managed to hold on for the victory through just sheer skill and experience um, okay so you're so you're a v8 supercar driver it's reese meekins he's 43 would we say yeah. that 43 yeah. reese meekins 43 Hanging on. And, and maybe like you're not the primary driver like somehow somehow something's gone wrong with the strategy and you've actually as the co-driver who you know you had a championship stint a few years ago you just never really cut the mustard. Like you maybe, maybe in your youth you had some top ten finishes, and people are like, yeah, this guy's going to be good. And then you just somehow disappear into irrelevancy, and then just fall off the scene. And you're racing like Porsche Carrera Cup, and all you do is come in and co-drive for Bathurst and and Sandown. Um, and yet somehow you found yourself in the driver's seat with twenty five laps to go. Um, like maybe your primary drivers suffered some dehydration or something, but <laughs> you just, you're that you like, you were the wonder kid that never realized his potential. And all of a sudden you find yourself there and, and you've got to try and get this thing home. 
I love that uh, in his own fantasy, he's speaking like existentially and in the third person about his own career. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually recording this now to narrate the documentary about myself later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Reese Meekins, he was uh, a bit of a thereabouts V8 supercar driver. A little bit of a bridesmaid, never the bride. But the moments come where it's set up for your success. Yes? Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a tough finish. It's You've got like Mark Larkham down there in the pit lane explaining fuel consumption for like the 30th time of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and he's, he's got that, that fucking TV screen up and he's got a graph and he's showing like fuel burns down and then it gets topped up and then fuel burns down and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's how many litres you burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you reckon, he's, you reckon he's got enough for seven laps or oh, I don't know. And is Reese paying attention to this coming through the team radio? Oh, are you thinking like we've got a Jamie Wincup situation where they're just like, Jamie, you're going to have to pit and I, I just stay out there ignoring all team advice and push it a little bit, push it that one extra lap. Unlike Wincup. Um, well, when, to when, get it. when we had Ash on, Ash was a, a Formula One driver and had something similar where his team told him to box and to pit, and he said no, he was staying out. He was backing in the car and his tyres and his fuel load. I think that's that's where you want to be. Like, yeah. Oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want to be disobeying team orders. Um, I just I want it to be known that it was gritty and it was calculated, but not arrogant. So have you done something dodgy to run a rival off the road then on the last lap? No, no, this is a clean win. This is a very clean win, and it's it's one for the ages. So it's a very defensive, like the last your last 25 laps, which you shouldn't be in the car in, full defense, just, you know, counter-attacking, blocking, all the moves. You've got Larkham doing more graphs than we've seen on a COVID spreadsheet, explaining fuel <laughs> mapping. So that's your moment, and your role is... Somehow you're the lead man. Yep. Yeah. I love it. No one knows no one knows how it happened, but you've just found yourself in that seat. Is it Stephen Bradbury ish or more Kieran Perkins ish? Uh more Kieran Perkins than Bradbury. Um yep. it's the uh it's the gravitas of Perkins with the slight <laughs> surpri- the slight surprise element of Bradbury. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so describe this moment for us. You cross the finish line. How do you celebrate, Reese? I'm thinking it like a nude run down pit lane. <laughs> like, I'm going for like a Talladega Nights. You know, you, you think you're on fire, but not on fire. Stripped down and just go absolutely nuts, and no one can catch you. So, is it a troll nude run, or is it a you've actually just so mentally broken that you've just lost it and gotten naked? Like so elated. So completely elated that I'm, I'm no longer in control of my own thought processes. And the only thing that seems fitting to celebrate crossing a finish line is to pull out the little gear stick and show yeah. off the V8 engines. Yeah, like a, a pistachio in a dirty bird's nest. <laughs> so does this win, I guess, bring you back into the, the fold of V8 supercars? Or is this like that last sort of semi-swang song that never never occurred due to various reasons and now it's just, this is it, I'm now, I'm now deemed a Bathurst god and I'll, I'll continue to co-drive in these big races. 
I think from that moment on, people are going to be like, yeah, he's coming back, he's coming back. Oh, but maybe he'll bow out gracefully and then I'll do something really fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, we'll get to like the Gold Coast or something and um, and I'll just, I'll put the thing in a wall and, and really, really badly um, and then just completely go off the rails. Like that's when the alcohol abuse starts and then it's all downhill. A lot of self-medicating. Yeah, a lot. Do you set up your own OnlyFans? Like, I forgot the name of that V8 supercar driver girl <laughs> that set up her OnlyFans. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Renee Gracie. Yeah, yeah. I'll um, I'll get. I- I'm gonna go big time into like infomercials. Um, you know, like that flex tape stuff. Yeah, that's that's where I'll end up. Um, to the point where people are now making memes about me. That's probably the peak. So it's a big fall from grace. Yeah, big time. So you've fallen from grace. You're flogging weird crap on television. You're basically like the Shannon Knoll of V8 supercars. Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement. I reckon I'd grow a flavor saver as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Uh, like real fat bloke. Have you dropped so low that you're advocating VB... The scent. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be so low that I'd do an ad for it. They'd pay me in VB thirst and then I'd just drink it. Like people would find me on the street surrounded by empty (laughs) VB thirst bottles. I know Reese really well. So I can A, see him doing this after his career's faded, but I know damn well when he was racing V8s, he had a giant VB fragrance decal on his car. He was already getting sponsored by them. So the reason why they're still working with him now is because they signed some sort of 10 to 20 year like perpetuity advertising agreement with him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. I I tell you what, just on the subject of car fragrances, I felt really seen uh, whilst listening to your podcast last week because um, not only do I use Lynx Africa at the age of 35, I have a Lynx Africa car air freshener. So your car smells like erotica and hopes. And a 14-year-old boy. (laughs) (laughs) I I would love for you to win the V8 supercar at Bathurst and have to do the speech on stage. And you're like, I'm just so glad to be back here. I just wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for Lynx Africa and VB. (laughs) (laughs) And just like spray spray the can across my chest, like in that sash motion they always did in the ads. (laughs) Yeah. Cringe. Okay, mate. So you're down and out on your luck. How low have you sunk? So say 10 years after you've hit rock bottom. So say you're 50, you hit rock bottom. What does 55-year-old rock bottom race look like? Uh, there'd be a lot of vaping at that point. <laughs> like I, I assume cigarettes don't exist anymore. Um, you know, we're, we're going sort of 20 years from now. So everyone's vaping. But like it's a real grungy, dirty vape. Um, yeah, it's not like a jewel or anything kind of classy like that. Um, it'd fucking stink. Okay. So they're like, because in 20 years time, the middle class has sort of evaporated from society. So it's a little bit dystopian where (laughs) poor people have to get their vaping material, like real dodgy black market sort of chemicals (laughs) to get their kick. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's it's real dirty. Like it's it's probably actually VB thirst that you're just vaping. Yeah, maybe okay. maybe mixed in with some tobacco that like some mate of yours grows in a farm, like out the back of Toowoomba. Yeah. Okay, so then I guess the next thing I got to ask you is the documentary that gets made about you. What does that look like? Uh, it's definitely got Tenacious D's tribute in it somewhere. <laughs> Good, very good. <laughs> now, <laughs> describe to us, is this documentary looking back on your greatest sporting moments fondly or is this very much like a Ben Cousins crack addict documentary where they've got you on camera just sprouting nonsense? No, this will be, be a combination of the two, but it's not supposed to be the latter. I'm thinking um, like Joe Exotic, but not Tiger King Joe Exotic when he was producing his own YouTube show. So I've funded it myself. So it's, it's supposed to be sympathetic to the cause, um, but all they do is just keep the cameras rolling and I look like a fucking idiot. Okay. So then I guess uh, to quickly surmise, what is the name of your documentary and what is the name of the book that would be written about you? Oof. Gee, that's tough. The doc, the doco, the doco is funded by me, so it has to be something that's like really self-aggrandizing, um, and maybe like a little a little throwback to the sport. So, like, I'm thinking something that channels the Peter Brock energy polarizer, <laughs> and maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the energy polarizer. And no one really knows what it's all about because that's not a nickname that I'd carried through my career. Yeah, okay. People are just like, why why has he thrown up that? And the book, (laughs) presumably the book's written by somebody else uh, reflecting on just the sad state of affairs that's become my life. Um, And like maybe there's a little, you know, Pete Evans-style twist on there where for some reason I've still got fame and I use it to plug anti-vax conspiracy theories. (laughs) So I feel like the book's going to be really scathing. Yeah, it's definitely not an authorised biography. No, no. Yeah, Um, it's not ghost-written. No, I can't think what would appropriately sum up the fact that I was never really any good but thought that I was... But even if I was, I was still old news. I've got yesterday's hero playing in my head, but that actually implies that I was the hero at some point. Maybe that was. Even though I thought I was, I never was. That's a good title. That could be it, right? Like I was really clean cut during the career um, and was just this like unfulfilled potential that then went off the rails. So maybe it was yesterday's hero. You know, like kids used to kind of look up to me and now mothers like, shield their children as I'm lying in the street guzzling out of an eau de toilette bottle. <laughs> All right. I love it, Reese. Sounds good. Uh, thank you very much for playing a championship winning moment. The, the tale and story uh, of a, a burnt out V8 supercar <laughs> driver who never quite was. And... <laughs> I'm liking the mix that we're getting at the moment, Cordo. Like it's very, you know, not just what you'd expect. Yeah. There's a lot of flame outs, which yeah. might be concerning for our friend circle. 
Well, I think I'm going to give credit to Reese because most people have experienced success. He's just comfortably faded into absolute shame, <laughs> disaster and carnage. <laughs> the good news is he's still alive. So the book's been written and he's still hanging on and he's alive. Pro. I mean, you're still alive, right, Reese? Well, I mean, would we say it's a good thing by that point? Um, who knows? <laughs> would we maybe, say, yeah. maybe I was better off just to, just to take a hot shot of SW23. <laughs> yeah. Like weirdly somehow you've gotten involved in the euthanasia movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of That's, frontline campaign. Where are we going to be, right? 20 years yeah. from now, yeah. euthanasia will be legal and, and I'll, I'll be like, nah, euthanasia is a government conspiracy and then bang, gone. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for playing championship winning moment. We love it. As it's about time to wrap up, but before we do. Yes. Uh, so off the back of our uh, movie review series, we've got another voting up for grabs. And this is actually a big one because I'm actually loosely passionate about it. So it is Mighty Ducks versus Sandlot Kids. <sighs> so I'm going to be fair if Mighty Ducks wins... I'm just going to be salty for the whole podcast. <laughs> like proper, not even like enjoy talking about Mighty Ducks. Just be like, well, that's a shit scene. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm not even here. Looks um, like we uh, will be hitting that data point for when a podcast wraps up, but yep. Uh, so look, vote on the other ones. We'll still, I'll probably still try just talk about Sandlot Kids anyway. So um, look <laughs> yeah. forward to listening I'm to glad that. Mighty Ducks did that. But also in Sandlot Kids, they did this. Yeah, okay. I look forward to it. Yeah, so have your vote on that one and we'll see what we can do. But uh, no, thanks again for that one, Reese. It was, uh, love it. Thanks for, and thanks for coming on the show. Special guest, love it. Yeah, thanks, Reese. We appreciate it, mate. No, uh, thank you for having me, boys. It was, um, that was a harrowing experience and one that I won't quickly forget. <laughs> love it. All right, folks, thanks for listening in to another episode of the Sidelines Podcast. As always, you can find us on Instagram at the Sidelines Media or sidelines.com.au if you prefer the older website. We appreciate all the listens. Shout out to everyone that's got around us on Instagram, that comments, that gets back to us, that throws us a lot of sometimes negative feedback in our uh, direct messages. But we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.